Hi again, everybody. Moms and dads, boys and girls, you are in the chatter zone. I don't know why the C's are so hard this month, Colleen. I don't know either. Must be the allergies. 89. Episode 89. We've got Rick Murfeld in the house. We're going to find out who Rick Murfeld is. Great. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Remember, Remember, O most gracious gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of and the, the Son, and of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. I think you hit it on the head. It's this tree pollen and grass pollen in my my lips and tongue feel like they're twice the size i'm blaming everything on pollen so there we go there we are on allergies whatever we're brought to you by hotworks yes our sponsor over on holiday drive thanks to melissa and the team 2055 holiday drive stop by and say hello at hotworks over there and the 65 dollar question is who is rick murfeld who is rick murfeld well, we'll answer that question after I say congratulations to the two of you on 89 episodes. That is fabulous, so praise God for that. Which just goes to show how low the bar can be <laughs> on a lot of days. It just takes no talent to sit right here and talk into this microphone. Get a few headphones and a few microphones and, and you can get to 89. There you go, that's we awesome. Go. Well, I do appreciate the opportunity. Um, Rick Murfeld, uh, I'm actually a native of Cedar Rapids. Um, I'm one of the many uh, cradle Catholics. I was born and raised All Saints is my home parish in Cedar Rapids. And I went to uh, All Saints School and Regis High School before Regis became Xavier. Uh, Did my undergrad at Luther in Decorah and master's work at uh, University of Wisconsin-Platteville. And it's funny, I was thinking about this the other day that All Saints is a circular church, and all the other churches that myself and Dagmar, Dagmar and I met up at Luther, uh, this June we will be married 34 years, I think. Congratulations. I hope I got the math right there, 88. No, it's too late now. It's too late now. (laughs) Don't publish that, right? Um, And uh, and so when we were, we finished up some time in Platteville, uh, where I got my master's degree, I I stretched that two-year program into three, and then ended up staying a couple years later and then moved to Dubuque. And it was interesting. I started my, uh, continued my professional experience in higher education at the University of Dubuque, hmm. which is right there by St. Joseph the Worker, another, another circular church. Another mm. round church. Another round church. Now, what did you get your advanced degree in at Platteville? Uh, counselor education. Oh, counselor. Mm-hmm. Same my, as me. My previous life was in counseling psychology. Oh. I went to Luther with a psychology and philosophy major and um, you know moved into private psychiatric treatment with adolescents uh, in um, Austin Minnesota and then after about a year and a half up there we moved back to Cedar Rapids and I did six years with Four Oaks oh yeah and so I was doing in-home family therapy and you know sexual perpetrator treatment and you know that was my first you know my first career so the two of you have the same degree I have a master's in counseling education we have a lot in common we really do. Would explain why you asked me to lay down as we began the interview. Here. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Right. Talk slowly. 
Did you catch he said Egg Xavier here? I'm always curious to see how people say St. Francis Xavier or Xavier or... Yeah, there's so many pronunciations so many, yeah. in that. But. Yeah. The, the funny story from Xavier is that, of course, you know, re, at about our 25-year reunion, uh, a bunch of us guys were going back to Cedar Rapids to be part of the reunion celebration, right? The transition had already happened. They were now Xavier. But I was about the only guy in the class that was still able to put my letter, letterman's jacket on. And so I walk up there to the alumni table with my great big red and yellow coat with the, you know, the yellow the R, R on it, R the big on R, R on it. And sure enough, one of the staff members, one of the alumni staff members looks at me and says, what's the R for? <laughs> and, we, and we just couldn't. And so one of them kind of nudged her and said, Regis, that's what we used to be. And so <laughs> it was a funny little moment. But So the natives say Xavier. Xavier. What the do they Cedar say Rapids in Dyersville? Cedar Rapids, yeah. Say that. I don't know what they say in Dyersville. St. Francis Xavier. 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 Yeah. Seems like that, yeah. Kind of like Anamasa, Anamosa. There's that another one. Do you ever hear someone from Rhode Island try to pronounce Makokita? <laughs> Makokita <laughs> is usually how it comes out. Makokita, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we pull into Dubuque, um, the first Sunday we're in town, Dagmar and I and our three boys, we've got a set of twins and then a third boy, um, go to St. Joe's the Worker. And we walk in the door, and, and guess who is the presider that day? Father Lyle Wilgenbush. Mm. And he was? He was one of my high school religion teachers. Wow. And so it really felt like we were coming home. And so mm. that I'm thinking, you know, Dagmar and I are whispering to it, do you think he'll remember? Do you think he'll remember? No way he'll remember. So after Mass, we were able to just kind of wait for him, and he said, oh, my God. You know how Father Lyle would say yeah, that sure he sort would. of thing? Yeah. And he did remember. Wow. And so it Now, was just both of you went there, or he just remembered you? Just my, yeah, Dagmar actually grew up in Sabula. Oh, Okay. Down okay. the river. Okay. Yep. So and he did remember you. He did remember. Wow, so that's that was, nice. It was really neat. Yeah. All those hours in detention paid off. <laughs> Apparently I made some impression, right? <laughs> and so we got here in 2001, have been at St. Joe's Worker ever since. Um, you know, both Dagmar and I, um, you know, made CEWs about three and four years after we, you know, got to Dubuque. And that began, uh, you know, the next phase of our spiritual journey. Um, you know, Dagmar grew up in the Lutheran faith, um, but she had always had a real spiritual heart, and she always worked at her faith much harder than what I felt I did. I mean, she has Jewish um, heritage, and so hmm. she spent some time with the synagogue, <clears throat> excuse me, up in Rochester, Minnesota, where she spent the nurses at Luther spend their junior, junior year studying at Mayo Clinic. And so she hmm. actually spent wow. some time at the synagogue in, hmm. in uh, Rochester. But after we met, eventually she did convert um, to Catholicism at the uh, Cathedral in La Crosse, where she okay. worked professionally hmm. after she graduated, because was, she was two years ahead of me. And, um, and so the CEWs, you know, began that next phase of, um, you know, of, of a spiritual journey. For you or her or both? I think for both of us, it really yeah. was. And of course, by that time, life, you know, we had our three kids, and as, and as you know, once the children come along everything's different, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. so that was a really dynamic time for, uh, you know, for the two of us. And um, I can remember one day, you know, growing up Catholic, you know, I kind of referred to my Catholic ego in terms of I didn't have to know my scriptures because I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. I don't have to know my Bible because I'm Catholic. I don't need to know, you know, Catholics oftentimes get the answers before they even know the questions, mm-hmm. right? And so 
I was aware, and I can go all the way back to my youngest, you know, memories, and and have an awareness that the Jesus story is true, you know, that I was believing that, but I hadn't made the 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 transition from knowing it here mm-hmm. and believing it in my heart until. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was probably about seven or eight years that we were here in Dubuque and that finally happened. Hmm. And, the, and it was a very dramatic moment. I mean, I'm sitting in the car on Gray Street over there by the University of Dubuque. And I'm just feeling like I'm making a mess out of my life. And a song came on the radio. And it was um, John Waller's He Still Calls Me Son. And mm-hmm. I cried like a baby for probably hmm. 20 minutes. Wow. So a real St. Paul kind of a moment. Very That's when much you- so you consider that maybe your reversion moment or your turning that turning was kind moment. of my my adult confirmation moment you know you go yeah. through all the steps but at some point it goes from believing in to you know believing that to believing in you know and you really do mm-hmm. and and for me that was a and i want to know did it really happen on grace street good one tom look at that i mean i, I mean no because- it's actually two blocks down um, Lombard Street, and so perhaps it's a signal grace. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was it was quite a moment though. Keep I mean, Grace was, Street in the yeah. story. It sounds, sounds better, better sounds doesn't better. it? And really it's close does. enough. Rob it's in the neighborhood. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. So, would, do you think that going to those CEWs kind of watered the soil of your heart or oh, did that happen after that or what was you know i think it i you know obviously it's been a lifelong journey mm-hmm. um i can go back to when my earliest memories of talking with father um, monsignor becker back when i was in grade school and the impact that he made mm-hmm. but i can also talk about the times when uh, we were at luther college you know at luther college you know we started hanging around um you know a lot of people that were studying to be um, ministers, oh. and so a lot of my friend base and a lot of Dagmar's friend base were studying to be ministers, mm-hmm. and we've got probably a dozen friends that are now ministers. Wow! And and one of my friends, Steve Rye, who is a wonderful minister up in uh, Strawberry Point, Iowa, for for one semester he and I went to morning mass on at St. Ben's, uh, where Father Jack Paisley was the priest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Father Jack married Dagmar and I, and mm. I backpacked the Bighorn Mountains with Father Jack. Mm. And I saw him pissed off that I never thought I would see anybody as mad as he was that day. But that was a just a very personal mm. moment, mm. Um, just to find out how his passion was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Steve said, yeah, it's Wednesday morning Catholic calisthenics, you know, because we were going sit, stand, kneel, sit, mm-hmm. stand, kneel, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can go all the way back there in, in terms of, Knowing and working on the the, the knowledge base mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. um, and then you know you do CWs, and then you do the table leader, and then mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I was started doing my CW talks, mm-hmm. and you know you can learn, do, teach, right? Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you start teaching subjects, mm-hmm. you have to advance and be able to have a big, great you know greater mm-hmm. grasp on the on mm-hmm. the content, mm-hmm. and so it really pushed me. Um, it really did. So then that moment in the car listening to the song was was more like it didn't come just from out of the blue, a lightning bolt. All these other things kind of prepared your heart. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. You know, and I, that first CEW, you know, you're sitting in that moment, you know, in those spirituality chapels, 
And when you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in tangible ways, mm-hmm. you begin to understand that this is not just a, a an intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me understand what, you know, Paul talks about in his scriptures about, you know, earthly, you know, people that are bound, earthly bound cannot understand, they do not experience, they do not see things of the of the spiritual realms. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to understand and you begin to have those personal experiences, wow, Mm -hmm. things are going to change. Mm -hmm. And again, like you say, not just a theoretical understanding of religion or, you know, God, but a personal experience. He is alive. He's a person. And he Um, just forgave my sins, and I cannot believe that. And so after that, it becomes, you know, how often do we stop and just say, you know, Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very humbling prayer, mm-hmm. um, but it's just it's just amazing. But that, but it is key. It is key to go from that head knowledge of theology to that heart knowledge of yeah. an experience of the risen Lord, an experience of the Holy Spirit that is not just your imagination. No. It's something's happening. You know, and I, and I read a metaphor one time, you know, it's that difference between belief and faith. You know, the man can be sitting in the store aisle surrounded, you know, dying of thirst, but being surrounded by gallons and gallons of wonderful drinking water or bottles of water. But until you get to the point where you reach out and grab a bottle of water, twist off the top and start drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, that faith will still be at arm's length. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And and part of our challenge, I think, um, especially with Roman Catholics, and again, I go back to what I understand is my Catholic ego, is that there's so much within the Catholic Church to love and admire and, and just to be absolutely moved by. Mm-hmm. You know, the ceremony, the history, just the the beauty, of, you know, the sacraments themselves. Um, but if it just stays out here mm-hmm. at arm's length, mm-hmm. you know, you don't begin to understand the pure power of what mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's all about and what He wants to do in your life. Mm-hmm. And those are amazing experiences. That's true. And I think that's why maybe a lot of cradle Catholics, I don't want to say are just kind of walking, sleepwalking, but, you know, they've had that their whole life and maybe they don't even really think about it. Just like we don't maybe really think about being an American because it's just who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many times I think the converts are really on fire because they studied it, they looked at it, they decided, you know, and um, they really made a decision um, to come in. Well, then for so many years, um, Colleen, I was intimidated by Dagmar's knowledge of the scriptures. Hmm. I mean, because she How had so? studied. She had studied. I mean, as a growing up Lutheran, you know, she had um, a grasp of the Bible because mm-hmm. they studied it, right? Mm-hmm. In, in summer schools and um, the, uh, you know, the, what's the, what do you call it during the summer? Sunday school. S- just the one week Bible camp. Oh, Bible camp. Vacation yeah. yeah, vacation Bible study. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I really am glad you're here, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> it's the pollen. You every, 18, the pollen. <laughs> every 18 minutes I've got something <laughs> to say. <laughs> but it and is so, true, and it is kind of a stereotype that Catholics don't know their scripture very well. We don't. We don't. And and then um, fast forward a few years, um, my spiritual mentor, Jim Sieberding from Bellevue, came into my life. And it is hard for me to overestimate the importance of that one relationship because mm. uh, I think all of us can go back in our own spiritual journeys and find a person a mm-hmm. truth teller mm-hmm. in their life that really began to understand them there was no judgment it was a it was just an absolute 
transformative relationship, and a lot of that was Jim turning me on to the scriptures and so the power of the Word of God. That relationship, was he your spiritual director? Was he just a friend? Was he What was he, that relationship? He was a friend. Dagmar had gone to school with Jim's wife, Betty, okay. and so they knew each other from Sevilla. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, um, you know, working with some business operations, um, you know, were members of the Amway Global team. And, you know, Dagmar has started talking with Betty. Betty and Jim came over and we started, uh, you know, working together. We started learning together. And at that point, I, you know, I, I had, I began to understand that I had been searching for a male role model in my life mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. My dad, God bless his soul, um, was a wonderful man. He did the best that he really could, mm-hmm. but he grew up with some, some, some things that he was struggling with. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was uh, studying at Luther or at Dolores to be a priest. Oh. He was going to be another one of the Cascade, Iowa priests. Uh, yeah. um, but at that point, um, that's when he had his first seizure. Mm-hmm. And at that point, back in the 60s, you know, epileptics are not going to be priests. Mm-hmm. No. And mm-hmm. so that changed his, mm-hmm. you know, that changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's key that relationship that you have with like a mentor, you know, oh someone gosh. that could encourage you to study scripture and, and discuss mm-hmm. the scripture and really be would you, that role Would you model. describe it, the gentleman, his name's Jim? Jim. As a mentor, to Colleen's point, or as a companion on the journey? It started as a companion on the journey, but it wasn't long, and I began to understand that this is a mentorship role. And I can remember Jim and I, you know, having a conversation in terms of, am I comfortable? Because, you know, mentors are two-way, you know, that mentoring relationship is a two-way street, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the protege can be ready, but the mentor can say, nope, this isn't right for whatever reason. The mentor can say this is ready, mm-hmm. but the protege can, you know, cannot be in a place in their life where it's time. Mm-hmm. And so there was that conversation of, okay, this is the time. Both of us feel comfortable with it. And so then you begin to... to, to wrestle with and experiencing that that vulnerability mm-hmm. and i think that's the key you know when you when people can get to a point where there's a someone in your life that you can be wholeheartedly vulnerable with mm-hmm. you can share you know your stupid thoughts the mm-hmm. thoughts that you're not proud of mm-hmm. you know and, and that whole piece about them knowing me better than i know myself mm-hmm. that's when truth tellers can can make their impact mm-hmm. is then you can begin to see that mm-hmm. so our guest is Rick Murfeld. I, as I'm listening, that that wispy voice. Who does that remind you of here? I, I keep thinking it's Mel Torme. He's going to sing oh. "Chestnuts on the Open Fire" here. No, I, I <laughs> hum a few bars. We, it's, we it's won't that, no, that I, very no, wispy it's, voice. It's a holy night. That's <laughs> that's where my singing career started. Oh yeah. well, we'll have to hear about that in segment two. We do, and we'll be back with segment two right after these announcements on the chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. You're listening to the podcast called The Chatter. This is the 89th episode. We're brought to you by Hotworks. Go on out and see Melissa Knoll at 2055 Holiday Drive here in Dubuque. Mm-hmm. And if you're in New York listening, it's a long it's way a long to get to It's a long drive to do a workout over there. Rick Mer- Merfeld is our uh, our guest. And that segment one went in directions unknown there, uh, Rick. Lots of, lots of background to the question who you are. 
Mm-hmm. And um, quite a deal. Okay. Yeah, but some wonderful insights and the importance of having a mentor, the importance of knowing our faith from going uh, from it being a, just a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, an encounter with a real person, and how uh, Jim Sieverding helped you along with that. So can you um, tell us a little bit more about that and then how it led to where you are now uh, with St. Vincent Paul? Yeah, when you begin, when I began to understand that the story's real, you know, it began to touch every element of my life. The story? The story, you know, the story of Jesus and the story of, you know, that creation, salvation, you know, redemption, salvation story. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the University of Dubuque, and, you know, we begin to see things differently. We begin to support campus ministry differently. We begin to, you know, support educational efforts differently. And we also begin to see things happening within the higher education um, profession that are frankly ungodly um, and it began to put me on a journey of transition and knowing to the point where at some point I was going to have to you know leave you know higher education because there was too much going on inside of the industry that I could not rectify with my faith mm-hmm. and it got to the point where I began to look for other opportunities to be able to live more fully into my faith mm-hmm. and that's when another good friend Karen um, brought to my attention the position at St. Vincent de Paul and I was not aware of St. Vincent de Paul it was just not on my radar mm-hmm. and so I began And you're to, living where at this time? Still here in Dubuque. Mm-hmm. Here in Dubuque yep. but you're teaching at Working in student affairs. At, I, at the university? Yes, of University Dubuque. of Dubuque, yep. Uh, student affairs, I was also teaching in the classroom with first-year students. And so I was beginning, I was really seeing a lot from both at the university itself and within higher education, you know, itself. And um, so at that point... So just point, for our listeners, not to get down and dirty, but summarize the trajectory that you're referring to in higher education. Well, the trajectory is going from... Um, perfect example, 1663, Harvard, the first uh, university, first college in the United States, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Founded in 1663. Its initial mission statement is entirely and unapologetically Mm Christ-centered. And it speaks of the Bible as being the primary formative tool. Mm. Fast forward 400 years to 2020, Harvard hires a new chaplain, mm-hmm. and he's a self-professed atheist. Mm. And so, I you, guess that summarizes the trajectory, right? In four hundred years, in absolutely, a nutshell. absolutely. And so you begin to see those things, and then as our faith becomes real to us, we begin to wrestle with the things that we can adjust to, the things that we can stay, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the things that we can be comfortable with. And things that you get to the point where it's just like I'm not, I can't compromise there anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was time to look for another opportunity. And, and Karen suggested I look at the executive director role at St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um, long story short, I started that position in December of 2019. Oh, <laughs> right and before the world. Fell nobody apart. told me that I was going to have to lead, a, you know, a struggling organization through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but praise God, um, you know, we, you know, three years later, you know, the store's doing much better. Volunteer numbers are up. Unfortunately, the neighbors that were, you know, that are coming to us with needs, as, you know, mm-hmm. those numbers are also up. But it gave me an opportunity to really live into my faith in mm-hmm. such a way that I hadn't, I hadn't had that opportunity before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, St. Vincent de Paul is founded on three things. 
spirituality, solidarity, and service. And, you know, that became, you know, given what the mission of St. Vincent de Paul is, and given where Rick was in his spiritual development, Mm -hmm. there began to be this synergy um, of this is really kind of where Rick needs to be right now. Mm. And it really began to feel like the Lord had kind of created that, you know, for me. So that is a beautiful thing because um, you can see that God is working in your life. He's touching your heart. He's He's letting you know, mm, I don't think I want you in that higher education role anymore. It's not going to be where I can best use you. Right. And then that job opens at the St. Vincent de Paul that you sounds like you're not even kind of aware of. Not so, on my radar. Nonprofits not on my radar. Yeah. Not at all. It's just not. Were you aware of the store downtown? The uh, no. Anything at all? Nothing. And 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 I joke with the volunteers at the you know Saint at Saint Joe's the Worker that. I wasn't even aware that there was a group of volunteers, Saint, you know, Vincentians, mm-hmm. working in St. Joe's the Worker. And I'd been there for almost 20 years. Mm. You know, I was I was chair of the pastoral council for a while, mm-hmm. you know, on the leadership team for a while. I mean, I was I was not uninvolved mm-hmm. in the church and I still wasn't aware of what St. Vincent mm-hmm. was doing. So mm-hmm. So God leads you to St. Vincent de Paul. You apply, you get the job, you start three months before the world falls apart. Um, And you were saying the mission of St. Vincent de Paul is spirituality, solidarity, and service. Mm -hmm. So um, I think most people, well, maybe I'll just speak for myself. When I think of St. Vincent de Paul, I think of the store. Mm -hmm. You know, right? If you just start a job serving somewhere and you need a white shirt, you just go to St. Vincent to get it. Right. That's kind of how I... Mostly think of St. Right. You guys right. do way more than that. Oh, absolutely. And, the you know, St. Vincent's has been in, you know, it started back in France in 1833, 1858, Dubuque's chapter becomes the 11th in the country. Oh. You know, St. Vincent de Paul's been, you know, here serving in Dubuque since 1858. Wow. That's a few years, you That's know, and awesome. most people aren't aware of that. Mm-hmm. And our whole mission is to help people move towards you know, make state. You know, make moves out of poverty to be more self-sufficient, mm-hmm. and to be able to take care of their own stuff, and to make sustainable changes, and make life adaptations that they desire in their lives, so that they can begin to kind of feel that confidence and that and that comfort moving through life. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about you know the the volunteers. It's about rent, utility assistance, it's financial assistance. A food. It's a fully functional food pantry. I don't think most people know that. I, oh, I'm confident of that. In fact, one of the things that I began to understand is that we're the best kept secret in Dubuque, mm-hmm. and so we knew. Just that for we listeners, had... so Colleen and I grew up, and we know the the downtown store on Iowa, Iowa at Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Yep, but that's not the only location. No, in we've fact, we've got a West End. We've got the store and the main office on Radford Road out on the West End, and. Before I arrived on the scene, they had converted the Iowa Street location to the fully functional um, food pantry and voucher center. That's a service center. Okay, so explain what, all I know is that I can't go buy my shirt there. That's all I know about that store. So explain to us what that location down in Iowa, because I think most Dubuquers are most familiar with that spot. Yes. So explain Mm -hmm. to us what that store does now. When that's the store that we, where we meet our neighbors in need to meet needs. And so when... Um, neighbors call us looking for help, assistance, food, you know, whatever the, you know, new beds, whatever the need would be, we connect them with volunteers that are connected to the five different parish groups in town. And so then neighbor or volunteers in their neighborhood call them back 
and do home visits. And one of the unique things about St. Vincent de Paul is this notion of home visits. Mm-hmm. It's total. It's one thing for a neighbor to tell you to come to your office and sit down with you and tell you their story sitting in your office, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different experience if you cross the threshold of their space and sit down in their living room or sit down on their front porch and have them tell you their story against the background of their space. Mm. Their and kitchen table. Their mm-hmm. kitchen table or their lack of you a kitchen any stories? table. Tell Absolutely. us a story. Tell well, us a story. And, and one of the stories is that one of the, the visits that I went on with one of the volunteers, keep in mind that once I began to understand the notion of home visits, I realized I've been doing home visits for 30 years because I was doing home visits when I was doing in-home therapy at Four Oaks. Mm -hmm. And since I've been in residence life for 25 years in higher education, I was doing home visits to residence hall rooms for 20 years. And so I was very comfortable in the setting, understanding there's a mutual vulnerability there. It's not only the the neighbors that we're helping that are going to put down their walls of defense and to welcome a stranger into their space. Uh, it's also a vulnerability for those of us volunteers or staff that are helping to put away my stuff, put away my preconceived notions, mm-hmm. put away my biases, and to just sit there and to be there and to listen and to understand that our job is not to be empathetic. You know, lots of people can listen empathetically, but volu- you know, Vincentians are not empathetic listeners. Mm-hmm. We are compassionate listeners. And the difference there is that people who are compassionate listen to you and understand and accept where you're at, but we're not comfortable leaving you there. Hmm. There's a difference between being empathetic and being compassionate. And I think that's one of the great things about that's the Jesus story, right? Mm -hmm. Is he was always meeting people where they were at with Mm -hmm. their earthly needs, but he always had that other mission. You know, and in the Gospels, he even says, you know, the apostles came to him and said, but Jesus, there are lines of people that need healing. I know that, but that's not why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so he continued on with that, with his walk through his life. And so home visits are that moment when, you know, and when you're talking with people, and I can remember one of the conversations with one of the couples, we're talking about their struggles, we're talking about what they need, we're talking about what their kids need, and all of a sudden there's a pause. And they look at you and they say, there's nothing else we can do. We've tried it. We, there's, we need help. And isn't that the Christian story? Mm-hmm. That's the Christian story, and it helps Vincentians come to grips with and understand that moment when, just like what Jesus did with me, he did a home visit with Rick, hmm. sitting in my car hmm. on that street that day. So now you're, you're, uh, you're going to tear at some heartstrings when people hear this. We're recording, but it's going to air three to six times here in the next year, Rick. I don't know, Colleen, that a lot of people can relate to what Rick is talking about. That couple with a couple of kids, two kids, three kids, and they've tried everything. I mean, Dubuque is a rather pristine place. There there aren't <laughs> homeless people. There aren't families that are struggling who have tried everything and they're out of options in right. Dubuque. Isn't that, I mean, we just don't hear about that we we don't hear and see it a lot but there there are those families and we see them at mary's inn mm-hmm. right you see them at st finnegan i think the maybe the average dubuker doesn't often see them as right. they go about their you know daily lives and we've had recently we've had two employer groups from some of the bigger corporations here in town 
do volunteer experiences down at the voucher center and food pantry during times when our neighbors are coming in to be served. And so we've had two groups of, you know, about 20 people in total have the opportunity to say hi, shake hands, greet people, and spend 45 minutes walking around the food pantry helping them pick out food on the shelves. We're going into this down at Iowa section, Street, down at Iowa Street. Iowa. And, and that's a great way. And people walk out of there thinking, I didn't know. Mm. But isn't, that's all of our stories. Until you have that opportunity, you don't know. Mm-hmm. For the longtime Dubuqueers, Colleen says, you know, because that's where we were. You, mm-hmm. you, you would get used mm-hmm. clothes, lightly used clothes for years at 13th and Iowa. But it's got a different floor plan now. It is, and it's entirely dedicated to the neighbors that we're helping. Neighbors, and you're helping them with, is it food, stuffs, canned goods? What, what's the food, inside look like yep, today? It's, it's, a, it's a small grocery store. It's a clothing department, shoes, um, personal hygiene, um, cl- household cleaners, um, winter coats, seasonal items, cookbooks. Holy cow. So Video, if, if someone is listening to this and they think, you know what, I know my neighbor or I know my cousin or someone like that that's in need, how would they go there, sign up, get help? How would they do that? The best thing to do is we have a volunteer hotline, and I'm happy to give out that number now so go that ahead. people can take this number down. And if they have a neighbor or a friend or a family member who needs some help, mm-hmm. feel free to give them this hotline number. Okay. And the number is 563 584 2226. And that's the hotline number that's for the, the voucher hotline. store. It's a message only machine. And what's going to happen is people are going to call this. They're going to leave a message, their name, their address, their telephone number, and what they're looking for. And then another group of volunteers go in and receive and take the messages off that machine and then dispatch those calls to another group of volunteers who will then call them and set up home visits. And actually begin really? to, yes. Now, are those groups then that get that call, you mentioned five neighborhood groups. Mm-hmm. Is So those calls would go to the right neighborhood group? Yes. yep. So that it's literally neighbors helping it's neighbors. It's neighbors helping neighbors. Yeah. And those neighborhoods are tethered to a Catholic parish? Catholic parish or, you know, a couple of Catholic parishes like the St. Joe's, the Worker, and St. Columkills or one conference. So somebody's listening here. I mean, what's the membership qualification here do i got to be catholic to come down to saint vincent de paul no any do i have to believe in anything at saint vincent de paul nope the only the any for people who are in need absolutely no requirements no eligibility you just need to call us and let us know what you need to be involved with our organization as uh, volunteers no qualifications we have Catholics, we have non-Catholics. So you're looking for volunteers. Absolutely, absolutely. The Vincentians, that is the kind of the purest uh, membership inside the society. That, you know, that is is that you are confirmed Catholics. And uh, so that's always something that's, you know, that's part of the conversation, especially with people that are, you know, maybe coming in that maybe have a a Christ-centered relationship, but they don't have a, you know, they don't have that organized you know that organized relationship they don't have church in their life uh you know that's certainly part of it but everybody can come in and help so when you've mentioned vincentians in this show you're not talking about people that have professed to a religious order of saint vincent de paul you're talking about 
people that are helping and uh, confirmed Catholics and part of those neighborhood teams when you say Vincentians? Yes, those are people that are, you know, those are, you know, Vincentians who are members of St. Vincent de Paul. Okay. Yeah. Good. And, and those, uh, you know, those folks, you know, can hold the leadership positions in the conference. But if we have other people that are not, you know, practicing Catholics or confirmed Catholics, there's other places in the organization that they can help with. Okay. And uh, one of the beautiful things about St. Joe's, or about um, St. Vincent de Paul, is that everything that we're doing stays right here in the Dubuque area. Oh, all our donations that we drop off at St. Vincent? Everything's staying right here. Oh, yep. that's awesome. Everything that's is great. triaged wow. to be, do our neighbors need it downtown? Can we sell it at the store to make resources? Or do we, you know, there's always that third option of, I mean, I mean, let's face it, we get 25 pairs of jeans every day at the store that are donated. Mm-hmm. You can't sell and give away 25 pairs of jeans. Mm-hmm. I don't care how hard you try. Mm-hmm. But we still have options on what to do with those jeans to still turn those that denim material into resources. And so that's part of our job is to be good stewards of the great gifts that are being donated. And the, and the donors that are bringing in donations at the thrift store are just amazing. I mean, those donations have just been top-notch and mm-hmm. just amazing. Our guest is Rick Murfeld. We're out of segment two, Colleen, just like that. He's with St. Vincent de Paul, and we're going to talk more about what's going on with Rick and St. Vincent de Paul in segment three of The Chatter. This is the 89th episode brought to you by Hotworks, and we'll be back in two minutes. We're back. This is episode 89, The Chatter, on KCRD and on the KCRD mobile app, brought to you by Hotworks. I said we'd be back in two minutes, and I looked at you, and I thought, oh, it's two shakes of a dead cat's tail. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever hear her say that stuff, Rick? I have not heard that one, Tom. (laughs) It's uh, one of those Dubuque colloquialisms. Uh, I'll I'll take note of that. I'll even give you credit the first five times I use it. (laughs) So we've talked about where you started out personally, you and Dagmar, and your journey and how it led you uh, out of higher education and the university system. And you're at St. Vincent de Paul. What's mm-hmm. next, huh? Yeah, and all the store, the voucher store. I was glad to know all that about the voucher store because, all, like I say, all I know is that I can't go there anymore. Yep. Um, so I'm glad to, uh, for you to clarify that and, and a little bit about um, the process and how it works and the phone number. If anyone is in need or knows someone in need that might need the voucher store is 563-584-2226 and, and leave a message and someone will, will get back to them. Yep, yep. You know, and that's the service element of this. But as I mentioned earlier, the spirituality and solidarity are an incredible part of what we've done. And the other way that we've seen that play out is we begin um, to have relationships, you know, with the customers that are coming in the store. And, and just one of the things, hopefully, by with anytime anybody comes in the store or comes to the donation door, somebody's saying, hey, welcome. Thanks for coming in today. And as you build that friendship and as you as you begin to have those conversations, inevitably you run into people that are hurting, right? And we understand, everybody understands right now that just about everybody's hurting right now. And so it got to the point where, um, you know, we're praying with people in the stores. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember one story, um, a, a lady was coming in and her husband 
had you know was really struggling with diabetes they had already taken one foot they were talking about taking the other foot His, wow. he was depressed he was just ready to be done and she's wondering what can i do to help and i said can we pray and so we're standing between house goods and women's clothing and she's good <laughs> she said could we oh and so we're praying you know and that's one of the things that the lord has brought me from with my journey it's it's not unusual for people to say i'll pray for you tom colleen i'll pray for you oh yeah and then and in the in all fairness, in, in all fairness, we might walk away mm-hmm. saying, "God, please help Colleen, please help mm-hmm. Tom, especially," you know. But it's a total another thing when you say, "Can we pray?" and you stop the world mm-hmm. and you pray. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed, and mm-hmm. she's crying, and I've got tears, and people are looking at us like, "Whoa, this is not," you know, "What, what are we witnessing here?" Three weeks later, she comes back and the friend says, "How are things going?" She says, "You'll never believe it. He's feeling much better." They went to the doctor. He did agree to take, but they only had to take half the foot. He's being fitted for a prosthetic shoe. She said, wow. it's all, thank you so much. That's and a beautiful so, story. And it's a beautiful story. And then three weeks ago, a young man stops in. And and we went from hello to how's your relationship with God in about four and a half minutes. Hmm. And so that's one of the powerful things when you begin to understand that the Holy Spirit is still working in Dubuque, Iowa, mm-hmm. and he wants to work through us mm-hmm. if we'll just get out of our way mm-hmm. and get out of his way and let him work. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful piece. And so that spirituality piece, that power of prayer piece has become very important. And it begins to have, you know, it begins to affect a lot of people. And, and that really begins to, to contribute to the culture of what's going on at St. Vincent. I, I had a thought as you were talking about the families and, and, the, uh, and the neighbors helping neighbors, and I think that was one of the phrases or whatever. But, you know, I grew up downtown, and so the uh, Iowa Street store is in there. But uh, it, it strikes me that people in need are just not in the east side downtown, no. the flats of Dubuque. What, no. What's it like? On the west end, the north end. Well, understand, um, we've had, just within the last month, we've helped a young mom whose husband um, just up and left her. Um, one day, he just decided he was done, and um, I'd love to get him in a, in a room by himself for a while. Uh, just because man-to-man, one of, one of my passions is men and the poor choices that we're making in our lives and, and all that good stuff. <clears throat> um, but she was a single bread earner now with with two teenage kids and a, and, and a house to pay for right wow and so she needs help she's got a plan that she's putting together but monthly you know the monthly rent still due on the first and so it's not just people that are experiencing generational poverty who's you know for three generations have been asking for help we certainly have you know many of those people in dubuque um, you know, the bed program, going back to your concern, Tom, oh, about people you not saved knowing me. You not, saved me. not knowing how much need there is in Little Dubuque, Iowa. We started a bed program about 16 months ago where we're giving real mattresses, box springs, and frames to people in need. In just those 16 months, we've put new beds in, in almost 200 homes in Dubuque. Oh, my goodness. And these are people that are sleeping either on blankets or on the couch, or it's the 80-year-old lady who's been, you know, sleeping in the same mattress for 30 years, <clears throat> you know. I got to tell the story. Oh, tell it. We got a call here at the station from a friend who got a call from a friend who got a call from a friend of a guy <laughs> that doesn't have a bed. He's sleeping in a recliner, 
or a big overstuffed fluffy chair or something like that. Tom, you can get him a chair or, or get him a bed. And I thought, what do I look like, the bed guy? <laughs> I was really go- I was going to call Mattress Mike. What's his name? Lindell. Uh, <laughs> except I couldn't find his number. So I, th- I thought, well, all right. Lord must think I know how to get a bed. So few uh, next morning, because I got the call late, I called uh, Rick, left a voicemail early in the morning. I think it was before 8 o'clock, but I knew he was up. And, and uh, so I, I got his voicemail. He calls me back before 9. There is a bed in an apartment on Central Avenue before one o'clock that afternoon that's amazing and it's all by the power of volunteers that can you know that you can call on you can reach out to and you can activate plans like that when you need to and so people understand you're gonna love this this guy's got no money this guy's got no money so i keep getting now now i'm getting voicemails from the guy that got the bed tom i can never pay you how much was the bed I can't pay you. Can I, can I give you something? No, no, you can't give me something. Say three Hail Marys for me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And so there's lots of need, but there's also lots of spiritual need. And so we start well, praying go, with people. Flip and, on that here, because uh, we only got seven minutes yep. left. Seven One of the things that we... You wrote a book. We did. It's and called, you got a mission. And, and the mission is... It's and called I've got Crotto, the book, but I left it up on the shelf. It's Colin. called... That's a good place for it. Um, it's called Caught Up in Christ, Spiritual First Aid for Believers and Seekers. And that's been the, that's been kind of the story of my life is in today's world, there are so many things to be caught up in. Even within our beloved church, there are so many things to get caught up in. But the beautiful thing is, is if we start and end each day caught up in Christ, then we're on a different path in life. So it's a quick read. It's 100 pages. 110 pages. 110 pages. Eight pages or um, eight chapters. It's built for individual read, for small group study. It's a great small group read. How long has it been out? You gave it to me a year and a half, Um, two years ago. I think it came out in 2020. uh, That's the other thing about pandemics. Great time to release a book, right? There you go. Oh, my gosh. And so, um, but the reality is, is, and, and then we start talking with people. And again, especially within our beloved Catholic Church, there are so many people, you know, when they close the doors to the church, right? Yeah. It made and it introduced doubt into a lot of people. And so now, even as we started talking with our volunteers and with adults, you know, in our family, it's not only I'm concerned about my faith, I'm also concerned about my the spiritual faith of my kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we understand is that our kids and our grandkids are hurting. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we did is, you know, we wrote this book, uh, we also started a, a recognized nonprofit called Caught Up in Christ Ministries, and, and the current focus is to be able to help teach parents who have adult children how to help them effectively and compassionately walk in faith. Mm-hmm. And it's called spiritual parenting. And as an exam, um, mm-hmm. on May 30th and June 1st, we're going to be doing these 75-minute programs at St. Joseph Worker for parents who are concerned about their kids. Because the Catholic Church has always had, you know, have always told us it's that E word, right? We can't say it because people will turn off the radio. Mm-hmm. But evangelization, but it's always a matter of. But that is the mission of the church. Act? That Absolutely. is why the church and exists, yeah. is to evangelize. So go back to the book. You're, you're the author, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you write it to the parents or to the children of the parents that need to get caught up? I wrote it to primarily to the children. It's dedicated to Dagmar and the three boys. And for them, giving me grace and space to change and to live and grow, to change and grow. And so uh, that was born out of 
a, a series of CW talks that I had given prior to that. And um, is it a compilation of the talks or or a conclusion too? It's kind of a compilation of it, really is. And the metaphor is there's a difference between spiritual first aid and, and advanced care. Catholics, especially, especially when we're talking with our kids, understand that there's a lot of things we can talk about. We can talk about the sacraments. We can talk about papal authority. We can talk about intercessory prayer. We can talk about our adoration for Mother Mary. Some of those things are the exact same things that are causing struggle for some of our adult kids. And so that's all advanced care, but I'm more concerned about the spiritual first aid because as the medical first responders know, if your heart stops at the accident, it's not gonna matter if you've got a broken arm. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to create and to build an army of spiritual first responders. So kind of like a triage of what is most spiritual important here. Spiritual triage is, is, an, is, an is one of the three elements that we cover in the presentation, Colleen, it really is. Mm -hmm. Because of, and you and you all know stories of parents who have four kids, all of them went through Wallard High School, and now they have one who's on fire for the Lord, two that aren't really sure, and one devout atheist. Mm -hmm. And they're scratching their head saying, how did this happen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the conversations that you're gonna need to have with those four kids are gonna be different, and so we do need to get good at spiritual triage mm -hmm. so that then we can we can customize the conversations that we're having with them to help them in their individual walks. So the books led to, did you call it a workshop over at St. Joseph's? They're workshops, yep. And those dates again? May 30th and June 1st. So we're going to broadcast ahead of that time, Colleen. We'll hit the uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st of May. So it's... it's uh, no, you just told me three times the dates. May 30th. <laughs> May 30th, which is... A Tuesday. A Tuesday, okay. And then Thursday, in. June 1st. See, it looks better if I uh, don't look at the June calendar and I look at the May calendar. Yeah, yeah. And so are these, those in the evening? They're at six, they start at 6.30. And, and How do they get signed up? How do people get they more sign information? They sign up by... Uh, more information will be out soon, but they can call the office and talk to Donna. She's a wonderful um, staff member at St. Joe's Worker. To get signed up we are limiting the number of people to each session to 16 and here's why during the pilot tests that we've done during some of the beta tests that we've been doing with some great people at st joe's who um i also had a year during the whole COVID thing where i worked with uh two parishes in southwest wisconsin and mm -hmm. learned a lot during those time frames and one of the beautiful things about this is that it has to be small enough so that people can tell their story mm -hmm. and then to hear the stories and the experiences of their fellow parishioners. Mm -hmm. And so it will be small enough and it needs to stay small enough so that people can really engage that and lock arms with spiritual parenting partners. And of course, that's one of the other things we lost during COVID was that connectivity with people around spiritual issues. That was huge. Mm -hmm. That was just huge. Mm -hmm. So people come to these uh, workshops. What what can they expect? What should they come prepared with? They can they can they can come prepared with their questions, but but also their you know the the pain and the and the sorrow and the concern that they're with, and they will leave. But I'm going to be with a bunch of strangers. Not necessarily, because they might be parishioners. They might be you might have people signing up in their Bible study group, but there might be total strangers there, and so there's a vulnerability. But when people understand that it's not just my comfort that I have to wrestle with. It's the reality of I want to go back Sunday night at supper with my kids and I want to be prepared for those conversations. And they're going to learn three things. The, key, the three things that people need to understand about helping our adult children walk in faith is a comfort to stay in conversations, 
the confidence to answer questions, and courage to witness naturally. We all know people when subjects come up around the dinner table, our first response, because it's so uneasy, is just to back away from the table and we disengage from the conversation. We've got to get back into the conversations, right? And the other piece about that courage to witness naturally, how I share my faith, Colleen's going to be different how you, than how you share your faith, mm-hmm. different than how Tom shares his faith. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to nurture that and to have enough time for people to actually ask questions on, okay, Sunday night dinner's coming, that's when my family gets together and we have some mm-hmm. amazing conversations. Mm-hmm. And some that just you just scratch, you know, scratch your head, but that's been part of my proving ground, right? Mm-hmm. Is my own, this is, this is my story. Mm-hmm. Because I've got three kids, mm-hmm. I've got two daughter-in-laws, and I've got three grandchildren mm-hmm. and other great family friends that are struggling with their faith, including you know, older members, you know, my aunts and my uncles, you know, who are struggling at their, with their stories too. So if they go through these, they go through both of these sessions? Nope, or they're just the same one session. The they're same with session. one or the other. Yep. And so then when they come out of that, hopefully they will have more confidence to bring it up at the dinner table. You're not, it's yep. not a training to go out and stand on the street corner. No, no, This no, no, is no, just no. to give them some tools to talk with their adult children. Yeah, whether it's around the kitchen table, whether it's at the baseball games this summer, you know, that's one of the fun things that we, this whole notion of, of parenting, we all understand that there were unplanned parenting moments and planned parenting moments, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And we talk and we focus on the unplanned moments because those little conversations, the little, you know, the little text messages, the movies, the things you're watching on TV, those little moments are precious in terms of if we can teach people and arm people and equip people to ask the right question, make the right conversation, you know, make the observation. Those are those teachable moments mm-hmm. that we need to recapture. What if people can't make May 30th and June 1st over at St. Joseph, the worker here in Dubuque over on Dodge Street? We invite people to go to caughtupinchrist.org. They can contact me there. Um, they can also contact me at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, because what about um, the book is the book still available the book's available uh, at your favorite bookseller it's on amazon uh there were copies down at river lights books i don't know if there's any left down there or not um you know so people can get a hold of the and again the title of the book is caught up in christ spiritual first aid for believers and seekers mm-hmm. but this workshop sounds like something that i hear so many times my kids off the faith i don't know what to do i don't know what to say it sounds like it's a perfect time for them to go to the workshop and here give them some tools um, that they can get those conversations started or at least know what to say if something at least know they're not alone oh Mm -hmm. my gosh that's a huge part of this and again that's the reason why it needs to stay small enough Mm -hmm. so that we can you know people can leave there and feel like they've got somebody else that they can talk with because there's too many of us that are isolated Mm -hmm. right now and Mm -hmm. our families are struggling because of that Mm we got about 30 seconds left before we run out of episode 3 on the 89th uh, chatter. Uh, When they come out of these workshops, uh, is there uh, some concrete next steps, Rick? There is. The first one is that we invite them to become good at spiritual triage. And all that means, that first step, is to watch and to listen. Watch for clues, listen for hints, to find out where their kids are at on their spiritual journey. That's step one. And then to begin to think about things of what they, you know, you walk away from conversation saying, oh, I wish I could have said this, or Mm -hmm. I wonder if I could have said that, or I wonder Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Those two concrete things. 
And then we do understand that, um, you know, as the Lord wills it, um, we may have to hold some more sessions. We also may have to follow that up with some specific, you know, workshops. And, you know, I have been in contact with some folks at the Archdiocese and realized that people all over the Archdiocese are having these challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, are having these concerns. Give us the phone number and how people sign up for those before we head off. Um, they can go to uh, contact Donna at St. Joe's The Worker, and that number is 563-582-3733. You hear a question mark in there because I think that's it. Anyway, call Not Donna sure. Call St. Donna Joseph. at St. Joe's The Worker. worker. Yep. Sounds good. Awesome. Our guest is Rick Murfeld. We could have gone four segments. We probably Colorado. could have. <laughs> but Thanks we again, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's close with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to to the the Father, and to the the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and ever shall be, world without end. end. Amen. Amen. This concludes the 89th edition of The Chatter. Our thanks to Melissa Knoll over at Hotworks. Tell them hello, and we'll see you next week. We love you.